We're continuing our Advent sermon series called Home for Christmas, and for the last three weeks we've been talking about peace and hope and joy. And today we get to talk about love, a love freely given. The text for this morning's message is a familiar one from the first chapter of Dr. Luke's account. The angel comes to Mary and says, guess what, Mary, you're going to have a baby and he's going to be the savior of the world. And her mind is blown for many reasons, but specifically because she's a virgin. How in the world, she says, am I going to have a baby? I'm a virgin. And the angel replies in Luke 1.35, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Let's pray. Father, this great love that has come upon the earth is ours to celebrate, ours to grasp, ours to behold, ours to understand. Open our ears and our hearts this morning, Lord, that we might understand this great love that's been, that's been freely given. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my Lord, my rock, and my redeemer, for Christ's sake, amen. Well, let's talk about this love, and let's start here, that love allows for extraordinary almost unimaginable acts. Love allows for extraordinary, almost unimaginable acts. Have you seen true love in action? I'm not talking about the sentimental, hallmark channel, gushy, romantic kind of love, although that certainly is a component of love. I'm talking about the deep, sacrificial, selfless, I can't believe he just did that kind of stuff. I think we saw it at the end of last year. Remember, remember 2019? Kind of hard, hard to remember. A young man named Brant Jean embraced the killer of his, um, his uh, brother in the courtroom. Her name is Amber Geiger. And in the courtroom, he not only verbally forgave her, but he hugged her and told her he wanted good things to happen to her. And the world watched in stunned silence. Love allows for extraordinary, almost unimaginable acts. And the story actually begins with Christ leaving the perfection of heaven Philippians 2, 5, Jesus being the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Love allows for extraordinary, almost unimaginable acts. So why would Christ leave the perfection of heaven for the trouble of the world? Because that's what love does. It puts the beloved before itself. It puts the object of love in a position of priority above itself. He came as our rescuer, and a rescue almost involves leaving safety, or at least relative safely, to go into harm's way. I was watching a TV show that I recommend you not watch while you try to fall asleep. I was doing it in bed, and it had me so jazzed because it was so intense. Do you recall the cave rescue in Thailand, July 2018? Um, the 12 young soccer players and their coach had gone through some long, long caves in Thailand without the realization that the caves behind them, which they had just walked through, had flooded. So now they were trapped in a chamber, and, and, and uh, an incredibly long distance of flooded caves stood between them and rescue. But the rescuers had to go get them. So they left the relative security of standing on the ground to put on air tanks. And what a nightmare, right, to swim through this very, very long distance of flooded caves in darkness, in murky water to get these boys. And there were 13 people total trapped. And they didn't say this at the time, 
But they said, if we can get two, if we can get two out alive, we'll count it a success. Oh my goodness. God's grace shone strongly that day, and all 13 were rescued, and there was great celebration. A rescue almost always involves the rescuer entering harm's way. Jesus became a man. We'll, we'll sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing this season. One of the most profound lyrics, veiled in flesh, veiled in flesh, the Godhead. See, hail incarnate deity, God was a man. Another favorite around here, Mary Did You Know by a guy named Mark Lowry. Maybe the most profound lyric ever written. Mary, did you know that when you kissed your baby's face, you kissed the face of God? I like to use this illustration for myself. Maybe it helps you too. I've said it before. If there was a guy standing here and it was Jesus, I could point at him and go, this guy's God. This guy's God, and it would be true. We just sang that beautiful song called Worthy of Your Name. Did the lyric strike you? Jesus came and he was holiness with human hands. The whole divinity of God was with us. He was a human. He had hands just like you and me. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Love allows for extraordinary, almost unimaginable acts. The second great act of love in Christ was the fact that he paid for our sins. John three sixteen, God so loved the world, so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Advent was real for us this year. COVID-19 made it real. Humanity is longing for, yearning for, pining for this pandemic to be over. Whatever the form of the cure, a, a, a vaccine, herd immunity, whatever the cure for the last nine and a half, ten months, the entire world has been screaming, get us out of this mess. Advent is a time of waiting, longing, yearning, pining for a cure. A cure from sin, from darkness, violence, a cure from hate and injustice. Since the Garden of Eden, all of humanity has been screaming, get us out of this mess. And then he appeared in Bethlehem, the cure for this mess. But the cure had to be more than just the miraculous birth of the God-man, Jesus, to the virgin. He had to fulfill the requirements and the obligations that we have to God the Father. He had to live a perfect life, and he did. And he had to pay for our sins on a cross. He did. Through that act, his death and resurrection, Jesus fulfilled both the requirements of justice and God's great love for us, his great grace, his great mercy. In a couple of weeks, we'll be epiphany. We'll talk about the Magi, these mysterious men from the East who show up to worship and give gifts to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Cool gifts. Gold, that's just like a whole bunch of money. Here, Mary and Joseph and Jesus have a whole bunch of money. And frankincense, this is a fragrant um, incense. It makes things smell good. And the third one, myrrh, is an embalming oil. You put that on dead people. They gave that to a family with a young child. It's like going to a baby shower and the first lady says, here's a whole bunch of money. That would be pretty cool. And the second lady says, I got you a bunch of fragrant candles you can burn, maybe at diaper changing time. And the third lady gives them a certificate that says, I bought your kid a, a burial plot at the local cemetery. What a strange thing to give a family that just had a small child. Well, the wise men knew, the magi knew that Christ had a mission. And his mission was to be the sacrificial lamb of God, to take away the sins of the world, that he was born to die. Love allows for 
extraordinary, almost unimaginable acts. Think of it this way. It helps me. Take your worst sins, the ones you're so ashamed of. You, you, you can't believe you did that. How, how much in darkness were you at that moment when you committed that or, or, or omitted something that you should have done? The evil in you, and you're so ashamed, you can't believe that was actually a part of your life. Take all those sins and put them on a pile. And then you take the ones that you consider lesser sins, although God doesn't see them that way, but you know, the ones you don't think were that bad, and you put them on the pile. Now the pile's kind of big. And now the ones you've never even thought of, the ones you don't even know about, those go on the pile too. So there's the pile of sin in your life. And God the Father, the righteous judge, looks upon those, and in his perfection and with his justice, he becomes angry. And now he's agitated because of this big pile of sin. And he says, who's responsible for this? And then he looks to his son, Jesus, who's standing there with his hand raised and said, Father, these are mine. That's what happened. That's what love does. You are forgiven of your sin because love allows for extraordinary, almost unimaginable acts. Well, thirdly, we the redeemed are invited to love this same way. We are the redeemed. We're new. We've been changed, born again, the redeemed, and we're invited. I use that term invited carefully because Christianity isn't a list of rules and things you got to do. And if you do this and God will like you. If you sin too much, he'll hate you. We are redeemed. We are part of his family. So now we're invited into love the same way. Imagine that you stumble upon a mythical village, big stone walls around it, and you went in there and everything was love. All the depth of society was taking place. It wasn't the surfacey kind of stuff. Everything that happens outside of the walls was happening inside the walls, but everything was done with a spirit of love. It was lovely. Not perfect, but everyone just had an attitude of overflowing love. And you got a glimpse of that and you said, I, I got to be a part of this. This is awesome, but I'm not. I'm, I'm on the outside looking in. Until someone says, come in, you are invited to live in this same kind of love. A and you do. And we, the redeemed, Christians, saved by grace through faith, are invited to love the same way. Love allows for extraordinary, almost unimaginable acts. Philippians 2, 1 and 2, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete, Paul says, by being like-minded having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Last week, we showed you a video with Nick and Courtney Meyer talking about hope. Man, they were excited. They were about to have a baby, and the hope that that baby would bring was shared very well in their video. Great news, the baby came. Baby Klaus is here. He was born this week. Klaus and Courtney are doing great. Dad Nick is doing great too. This week, we watch a video from Linda Campbell, another member of our organization, our, organization, our church, as Linda talks about love and the love at Christmas time, the love she has for her family, and the love that Christ has for you and that she has for him. Let's take a look. My name is Linda Campbell, and I am the mother of three and the stepmother of six, uh, but raised all nine of them, you know, in one house. Their mother was deceased. Um, I got them all, we lived together from the time they were five to 15, and now they're all in their upper 40s and 50s. Uh, we now have 15 grandkids, five great-grandkids, and uh, they live all over the country. When I was little, the snow elf would always stop at our house, and that started with my mother. 
her family did it for her, then my parents did it for me, then I did it for my kids, and I know that some of the kids have continued it with my grandchildren. Well, love is, is very strong with me, and I just love showing my grandkids I love them. Um, I, I love calling them, I love talking to them. Um, I love getting them things, you know, I, I really do. Uh, I like it, nothing's better than like when, you know, like most of my grandkids now are high school and above. Most are even out of college already. And like last Friday, one of them called and says, hey, Grandma, I need your stuffed pepper recipe. I've got the taste for stuffed, pepper, stuffed peppers. But you know what? That's love to me, that he would think to call me, not even his mom, but he'd call Grandma to find out her recipe because he likes mine better. <laughs> and, you know, they do things like that, or um, one that's in Denver, uh, she sent me a cute little congratulations on your new baby card when I got next. <laughs> <laughs> Just look to be funny. Those are the things, as long as I know they're thinking about me. I'm always thinking about them. Well, God loved us enough to send us his son. And that's probably the best love that he could give us goes right along with eternal life, it's, you know, and I certainly plan to have that. <laughs> Linda, thinking about her grandkids, loving them, calling them, talking with them, getting them things. She loves it when one of them calls for her stuffed pepper recipe because she knows she, she has the best one. Linda, I might be calling you. I love me some stuffed peppers. Her granddaughter getting that funny uh, baby card when she got her new dog. These are all love living itself out. The redeemed have been invited to love in this same way. One more on this. Zacchaeus in Luke 19. The little guy, we love this story. He was too short to see over the people, and he heard that the one who is love is coming through his village. So he climbs a sycamore tree. We sing the song. And he can see Jesus, and Jesus is passing by. He says, Zacchaeus, come down. You've got to come down. I'm having dinner at your place tonight. He is redeemed. He is now part of the family. What does he do? He declares, I will give away half of all I possess, and if I've ever cheated anybody, I will repay them four times. Now, repaying people that you've cheated four times, that's a pretty good thing. But what he says before that, I will give away half of all I possess. We belong to an incredibly generous congregation, thank you. But for someone to literally give away half of all they possess, the redeemed have been invited to love in the very same way. Love allows for extraordinary, almost unimaginable acts. But let's take this turn. Number two, love is almost always messy. Love is almost always messy. Mary gets the word that we talked about at the beginning from this angel that you are pregnant. And she's full of grace and hope and love, but she knows what this means for her. Her life's going to be a mess. Unmarried, pregnant in that society, she imagines for sure that her fiancé will leave her. She's now facing a, a life of poverty and hardship. She'll, she'll be hated by her people, scorned, living on the margins. She'll be an outcast. Love gets messy. Yet she responds to the angel with the loving words, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. 
Love can be messy. Um, almost everybody that calls our care, um, the care department here at Royal Redeemer, which by the way is exceptional, very nice people, um, very um, grateful for the help that we can give them, pretty cooperative in working with us. But from, t from time to time, we are loving on people and helping people that are just difficult, belligerent, accusatory, mean. We continue to help them, we love them, because despite the messiness of life, God calls us to continue to love through those things. Uh, Kate and our daughter Esther and I were um, blessed to be a part of Thanksgiving Care and Share, the meal-sharing program that Royal Redeemer puts on every year, and we have for decades. Our assignment was to take 23 meals to a big apartment complex that way, and it was a high-rise, so we thought the best strategy would have, was to have Kate in the lobby with all the food in its boxes, and Esther and I would run the meals up to the individual apartments to the people that ordered them. Well, Kate's telling the story that while Esther and I are upstairs somewhere, there's an older gentleman in one of those big cushy chairs that they might have in the lobby of an apartment, and he, <laughs> he can smell the turkey, and he sees what's going on, so he comes over, and he's kind of checking out the boxes, looking at the food, and Kate can kind of tell that he's interested. And she says, well, we're from Royal Redeemer Lutheran Church, the care and share meal sharing program at Thanksgiving. We're delivering meals to the people who called ahead and ordered. And she can kind of see he's still interested, but that seems to satisfy him, so he sits back down. She says that about five minutes later, he got back up and came over and said, so these meals are just for the, the people that ordered them? And she says, yeah. And she can sense in her heart that he's interested. And my wife with a loving heart thinks, well, Maybe I'll give them my meal. See, our, our family had ordered three meals for ourselves. We were going to take them home and eat them later. And my wife said, you know, maybe I'll just give them my meal and we'll figure out something later. Well, a Thanksgiving miracle happened because there was another family from Royal Redeemer there delivering meals to other apartments. And when they were done, they had one extra meal. It was loaves and fish. How did God do that? Thank you, Lord, a Thanksgiving miracle. So Kate tells them about this guy and they go over with their container of food. Sir, we heard you might be interested in a meal. We have one left. Would you like it? And he says, no, my granddaughter's in my apartment making mine. I was just interested <laughs> in what you were doing. Life has its twists and turns. I mean, that wasn't messy, but that sure was weird. You know, God had provided a miracle. No thanks, I'm good. So, so why are we talking about this, that love is messy? Because I want to encourage you today and always not to be deterred. When you engage in love, probably going to get at least a little bit messy or weird or take a weird twist. Maybe it'll just get plain difficult. Continue to love. Mary continued to love when she frankly found out that her life was going to be turned upside down. When people are difficult and belligerent and accusatory, continue to love as Mary loved, as Christ loves us in our difficultness. Well, number three, the fullness of love is knowable at Bethlehem. In other words, love doesn't need to be an abstraction our society asks silly questions. What is love? How can we know love? Tina Turner says love is a secondhand emotion. Tina, it's neither secondhand nor an emotion. But that's what the love says. How can we know love? Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are a child, God has made you also an heir. We can fully know the love of God at Bethlehem, the baby in the manger. Love is not an abstraction. It is fully knowable there. Brennan Manning is a broken man, troubled life, 
but God's love apprehended him and made Brennan Manning one of God's own. And he writes this. He says, Christians find it easier to believe God exists than to believe that God loves them. Do you, do you know that God exists? Probably do. You're watching this. Do you believe that he loves you? God loves you. And we see it fully in the baby in the manger, the gift to humanity, our rescuer. When you want to know what love is, you hold it up against God to see if it's like him. We know from 1 John 4.18 that God is love. We talked about this in a similar way, Thanksgiving Eve at the service, that God is good. And if you want to know what goodness is, you hold it up against God and compare it. And if it's like God, it's good. If you want to know what love is, hold it up against God. Hold it up against the baby in the manger and the Christ, the man who grew and became our sacrifice. If it's like him, it's love. Well, we have our nativity scenes, our mangers, our creches set out. Maybe you've already put the little statue of Jesus in the manger already. Maybe it's a tradition in your family to put him in at uh, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. That's not going to the manger and finding Jesus. That's a nice representation. It's good to do, but that, that's not really going to the manger. How in the world do we get to this Jesus in the manger, this one who is the fullness of love, not an abstraction? In the waters of baptism, you receive the fullness of Christ onto yourself, into yourself. Through the water and the word, you were washed clean and the fullness of Christ was on you and in you and through you. It's a little bit more difficult for me to promote now because of COVID restrictions, but in the bread and the wine, in the body and the blood of Christ, his fullness is given to you. All that he is, his love is fully knowable through that meal. That directly takes you to him. We have drive-through communion every first and third Sunday here at Royal Redeemer. Wednesdays too. Go online, royred.org, register, and then you stay in your car. It's right up here on the hill. You're perfectly safe. You're, you're, you're distanced from the people administering it to you. It's a lovely time of confession and prayer and receiving the gifts. More than just a symbol, more than just something we do because God said do it. Truly Christ given to you in the bread and the wine, the body and the blood of Christ. So what does that mean for us today, that the fullness of love is knowable at Bethlehem? The fullness of love is knowable through the gifts given to us. Well, first of all, it means that God's love can make you whole. It means that the same love is working right now to redeem the world. And it means that this is the love that you have always been looking for. We like to wrap up with a couple of challenges, um, next steps we call them, and here you go for this week. Number one, follow God's lead by allowing his love in you to propel you to extraordinary acts. Extraordinary, almost unimaginable loving acts. Number two, don't let the messiness of life stop you from loving. And number three, connect with God by finding his perfect love in the manger. Let's come together in prayer. Father, this knowable love is um, knee-buckling, that God would become a man, that he would be holiness with human hands. That shakes us to our core. But then the fact that he would grow to a man and give himself over to death on a cross, a death that we deserved, and then life again his father gave him and drew him out of the tomb. Love, overwhelming love. You invite the redeemed to live in the same love. So thank you for that invitation. Let us accept it, not through our own works, not through standing on one foot or trying to lick our eyebrows, stuff we can't do, but simply as a gift. That's what Christmas is, is a gift of love from the divine to a broken humanity. 
all for your glory, we pray in Christ's precious name. Amen.